Rebecca McCain with Alan Winson, and we are Bar Crawl Radio Podcast, recording from Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. That opening piece is titled Ludwig's Night Out, composed by Gene Pritzker. It was performed recently at Birdland Jazz Club in Manhattan by Pritzker's Sound Liberation Band. Today we will be talking with Gene Pritzker about his amazingly creative brand of music. And with that bit of an introduction, here we go! The last time we had Gene Pritzker at the bar was for Bar Crawl Radio number 38. Now, we've talked between then, yeah. but last time we were here at Gephardt's was back in April 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah, pre-COVID. Yeah, uh, and we are here today to talk to Gene about his most recent concert at Birdland Jazz Club, a musical brainstorm called Ludwig's Night Out. Here's the idea. Beethoven is on a bar crawl while Sonata Number no. 4 for violin and piano is echoing around in his head. But first, before we talk about Ludwig's Night Out, a bit about Gene Pritzker. It's difficult to categorize this man's work. He's a ball of energy and an experimental musician. Pinning a single description is really slippery. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh, the sound in the background? Yeah. We like that. Yeah, it's great. No, no we like it because we're at a bar. Yeah, well, there you people go. know. Okay. Gene is primarily a composer. He's also a rapper, DJ, guitarist, a coordinator of music concerts, teacher, and at one time an actor. I don't know if he still is doing acting. As of 2019, he had created over 700 compositions. I assume there's a good 100 more since then. 200. 200. We're, we're over 900 now. Wow. Oh, wow. You know. Got an old bio. Go. <laughs> it's okay. No, it is. I said 2019. Oh, yeah. it's, it's okay. Including chamber operas, orchestral and chamber works, electroacoustic music, songs for hip-hop and rock ensembles with accents from many cultures performed all over the world. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of that is very true. I mean, it's <laughs> all true. <laughs> I don't know. No, what, what, what isn't true? No, I'm joking. That all sounded true. Okay, okay, okay. But I just wanted to be modest. <laughs> don't. A, a rare modest moment. No, yeah, from Gene Pritzker. It'll never happen yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Bar Crawl Radio. Always great to be here. It's good, uh, it's good to see you. It's been uh, a while. We had you out on the street during COVID. Um, yes, during COVID, we came out uh, to see your... A street performance with a, with a, there was a representative of some sort, I believe. I think uh, I think Gail Brewer was there. Yeah, Gail Brewer. Exactly. I don't know what, what her appointment is. Uh, representative. Well, well or, she or? was she was uh, no, a Manhattan Borough President. Yeah. At oh, the she time. was Borough. Okay. Yeah, now Borough, she's the now, now she's just a uh, council member. Oh, okay, okay. With cool. the Upper West Side. But that was really fun. The, but it was like people already out doing things. But it was certainly one of the few new th you know things. Like, not so many things were going on. Uh, I mean, during COVID, I, I never stopped. I kept doing concerts, but in private people's houses to, like, 10 people. Because they had the 10-person 10, 10 rule, right? So I had a 10-person audience, in, or whatever, 8-person audience. And then you'd Zoom it. And we'd Zoom it. Yeah, we, we're still doing that. We're, uh, we keep doing the live performances because... First of all, it was really fun. Second of all, BMI ASCAP, they paid us for it. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, oh, why am I stopping these? These are easy to put on. And yeah, so we still keep doing this. I run the organization called Compose Concordance, and we produce about 50 concerts a year here in New York. And some of them are like big concerts, like the other nights that Alan came out to Birdland, the full big crowd, pretty nice big space, Birdland. And sometimes small concerts to like 10 people. <laughs> Uh, and everything over and between and under and whatever. So you've been busy. COVID did, did 
COVID didn't slow. No, not at all, really. <laughs> I was actually during COVID. I was really busy because I was in the middle of this uh, the movie. I was orchestrating the movie, The Matrix Resurrection. The, wow, so, this we didn't know. Oh, you didn't? Oh, I don't, no. sorry. I don't know. But tell, us, tell us about that. Yeah, but we were literally in the in the middle of uh, doing that movie. Uh, and actually, we started in January 2020. We recorded in in uh, Abbey Road Studio in England. And, nice. And, 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 and 2020 started off like I, I had a big concert in Nuremberg on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, another concert of all my music. And then I went to Abbey Road's and recorded The Matrix, and I'm like, this is gonna be the greatest year ever! And this was January, oh. then in March, right before right before the pandemic, we had a really nice with Sound Liberation, this band, uh, like literally two days before the shutdown, we had a concert, Pianos, which was a great concert, it was amazing, like I still remember, it was just, I don't know, it's a concert. Was we that went. the concert with two hands? Oh, well oh. you came, Is that? that's where I fell off the stage. Were you oh, at that concert? Okay, I oh. was, and it was a very crowded room. It was a very crowded room, and it was literally two days before lockdown or something like that. And something no ridiculous. one was wearing a mask. Nobody, no, and nobody I knew nothing. I was just kind of March. 19th. Should I be here? That was the day of lockdown, I think. Yeah, so this must have been seventeen or sixty, something and like you, that. And you, know? you fell off the stage, which was, you know, I'm all right, I'm all right. That was on purpose. That was planned. That was, that was just to get the audience excited. There you go. No, they Good were. Job. They, they now, exactly. Don't you get excited when things go wrong? I think people like that. I think you like that. You like when things go wrong. Don't well, I don't, but but I, nope. I like to play it off. Yeah. yeah. This is the well, it gives you an opportunity. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. Sh to, to fix it, to show exactly. you how. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think you go to concerts, you don't need to hear a perfected performance. You want things maybe to, you know, be excited. I think the audience gets a little excited. Like, oh, what's happening? I'm, you know, not, not like a car wreck, but, <laughs> but, they're like, but they are more paying attention. To it's, see kind of, it's kind of boring where everything works off. I mean, the thing about yeah. circuses and right. theater is... Something, something could go, go wrong. wrong. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, something could go wrong. You know, everything was happening. It was great. And then COVID hit. And then, but I was, we were still, so Matrix got delayed, of course. But then they started production again within a year. And I started actually traveling the world even during the part times, times when nobody was allowed to go to Europe. Like, you're not allowed to go to Europe. There's no, nobody from here going to Europe unless you're a resident. And but you I, did. I did because Warner Brothers said, this is Gene Prescott. It's a $250 million production. We need him today in Germany. We need him tomorrow on Canary Islands. So I was going all over and sometimes spending months all over various, uh, you know, cities, uh, countries around the world and just orchestrating, working. And, but, you know, it's, it's cool because I was, you know, other environments and... Sure. Like Berlin it? was actually, you know, Berlin's one of my favorite cities, and usually I go there and we party, whatever, but it was locked down. Oh, like, yeah. I, I was literally in a hotel, but I kept having illegally parties, like all my friends in Berlin. I'm like, oh, just come to my hotel. So people kept, every night I had like this big party, but I wasn't supposed to. Yeah, and like, I even, like and, the head and, of England. Huh? Like the head of England. <laughs> like, like the head of England, except I wasn't, I wasn't the king. Whatever, yeah, you, whoever, could, <laughs> yeah, whoever you were a king. VIP. Yeah, I was a VIP, exactly. And, and then I even recorded an album while you could even play. Uh, while I was in Berlin, my friend had a studio, so I got a bunch of people from Germany to go in the studio. Again, lockdown, nobody's supposed to go anywhere. And we recorded an album called B, uh, uh, BQQ, the Berlin Quarantine Quartet. Wow. Okay, <laughs> we'll pay a little piece yeah, of that. Yeah, I'll give you some of that, because that, that's...
So yes, yeah, so, so really, for me, and I know that I'm, I'm not being trying to be sympathetic to the people who lost jobs and couldn't work and people who, you know, got really sick. And, you know, I, I've been sick a bunch, but never too, too bad. So Did you whatever. get it? Yeah, I got it like 25 times. I don't know. <laughs> she, she oh, it. you guys never got it? Oh, I never, you never got, got it. Never I, I know some people who didn't get it, which is... Strange, and they're. I've got superpowers. Well, yeah, I don't know, maybe some some kind of genetic thing going on. We don't know about. But um, yeah, but for me, the whole COVID thing really didn't slow me down. In fact, uh, you know, because of the Matrix, we're making good money and traveling and producing concerts that were, of course, not the, not exactly the way I want to, but like the small concerts I was mentioning. But it really never stopped. So So a pandemic mm. doesn't stop you. Well, this one didn't. I don't know. You know, maybe one will kill me sooner or later. Then I'll, st- I'll stop me. Something. Something. Something's something got to stop. <laughs> Even though you're not going to get any older. Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's true. Uh, before we talk about Ludwig's Night Out, yeah. uh, this concert you just did at Birdland yep, yep. Jazz, um, collection of compositions inspired by the idea that Beethoven is trolling the hot spots in New York City. <laughs> um, let's investigate that illustrious music machine called Composer's Concordance. Yes. I mean, I'd, I'd like to talk about a little history, maybe a little background on it. Absolutely. And Sound Liberation, your your band, right. which I assume comes out of Composer's Concordance. No, no, it's, it's a separate thing. Composer's Concordance was started in 1984 by Joseph Pearson and Patrick Hardish. And Joseph was kind of my mentor. He was, you know, he, he passed, he actually passed away during COVID. Mm. He, he was in one of those old mm. agey kind of, that COVID spread and killed a lot of people. So wow. he actually did die. Wow in April of, of 2020, like pretty quickly, you know. Um, but he started this organization back in the 80s, and I took it over. He had some health issues and whatever, so sooner or later, well, first he asked me to be one of the associate directors, and then as he kind of retired from it, I took it over, and that was maybe like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm mm-hmm. losing track of time. I don't want to date myself. It was a while back. And then my friend Dan Cooper, I got on board to be my co-director. So we've been co-directing it for at least 15 years, and we have associate directors, and we present over 100 composers a year. Like, we have a big group of composers, a lot of performers, of course, that we hire to play the music. We're primarily supported by uh, NISCA, New York State Council on the Arts, and private donations. Uh, we, you know, it's a nonprofit organization, so we're not making, you know, like last night's or the other night's concert you came out, I spent X amount of money, whatever, I don't know, and I made back maybe one third of it. So it's not a, it's not a if, you know, it's not a money making, but that's okay. That's what that money's there for. It's there to spend, to, produce music, lots of music, in the New York area. So that's what we do. And we produce about 50 concerts a year. Right. And all yeah. of it, um, uh, the idea of being contemporary uh, uh, music, but, but not the idea like when think, people think contemporary, they think I'm like weird. Con- yeah. It's not. It's just music written today by composers that Dan and I like. It's very simple. But it could be different genres. Oh, oh it's, it's always, it's all eclectic, just like myself. It's everything's eclectic. I, I'm, there's never, I mean, like the other night you saw there was, the, every piece was it's a different genre. Yeah, yeah. And every concert of ours is like that. If, any, if, if you've never been to a composer's concordance contest mm-hmm. or a sound liberation, yeah. um, it is a, it's, it's a wild experience. Yeah, thank you. And it is not any particular genre. No, no. It's a, well, let, let me read a little something here by John Piotaro of New yeah. York City. Oh, he's great. Uh, yeah, jazz record. Well, composer's concordance. <laughs> has existed some 36 years, mm-hmm. a veritable New York new music institution of concerts. Album production, multiple ensembles under a sweeping, tenacious brand, thriving on the emulsion, mm-hmm. emulsion of contemporary classical, free improv, jazz and rock, overt humor, fearless political statements. Composer Concordance is, quote, unpredictable and at times refreshingly irreverent in a reverent sort of way. 
I think that's pretty good that's from what good, I yeah. hear. Mm -hmm. It is irreverent in a reverent sort of way. Great. Uh, that's what I heard last night. Yeah. I mean, yeah. on Thursday night yeah, when yeah. we went to that, that concert. So hmm. could you expand on that idea? And I'm not talking about the history of composers' right. recordings. I'm talking about the, the art, the yeah. musical art of, 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 because you seem to fit it or you made it to fit I made, you. I made, I made it to fit me. Yeah, because before, talking about history of it, the history of the composers' concordance is certainly, they were really playing Joe, Joe and Patrick, who started in the 80s. It was really contemporary music. It's a lot of, uh, you, you know, Elliot Carter and Milton Babbitt and... and uh, but it, it, it was also this electronic music thing, too. Well, didn't they get into that? Because well, I mean, Otto, Otto Lunig was... Otto Lunig was one of the big, yes, yes, because uh, Dan Cooper was his actual assistant, and that's how he was kind of part of uh, composing. Oh, I didn't know that Dan was Otto Luning's assistant. Yeah, yeah, for a long time. Uh, oh. But Otto Luning was when Joe and Patrick were starting it back in the 80s. He was their kind of like older statesman sponsor saying, you know, yes, you know, helping him out somehow. So yeah, so we, and we do still play Otto Luning music and we will still play, I actually had a piano piece by, uh, by Milton Babbitt at a Drome concert all about Phil Oaks. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, you know, so Philly. You said a drome or a drone? drone you know, drome, uh, it's a club on Lower okay, East Side. Okay, yeah, it's, it's a club and it's a club on the Lower East Side where maybe Milton Babbitt has not been performed so much or ever. <laughs> so, whatever. So, that, that's for me. I doubt know. Birdland heard much of the sounds that uh, you Well, exactly. And, and you know, the, lo the lovely thing about Birdland that I loved, you saw it was like packed, and I knew 20% of the people there. So, there are other people who were just like, oh, I'm going to go to Birdland. And maybe they were expecting some straight ahead jazz and I was scared that they, that's not what they were expecting they're going to leave but nobody seemed to leave at least I didn't see anybody no, leave okay. no, no, no one did leave I was sitting at the back <laughs> okay you, yeah, you I, were checking out you're my, you're I, my leave monitor <laughs> I was right I can only afford those tickets at the bar okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, so, so I really enjoyed taking contemporary music and whatever that you know I think again as you were saying to expand on that the meaning of contemporary music it's not the genre of, of, of the music that kind of is very atonal and very jagged and doesn't repeat and the rhythms are, you know, I call it sometimes some of that music I call cat on piano, where you throw a cat on the piano, and that's what, <laughs> you know, or uh, the other type of music these days is kind of like minimalism where it's very, it's the opposite, it's everything repeats over and over and over and bores the... Me too. The what? Yeah. 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 The bejesus. The, the bejesus out of me. Sometimes, I mean, you know, if it's done, I, I like older minimalism, but there's a lot of cats who are kind of doing. I call so I call that wallpaper music, as in uh, you go to a museum and you see, you know, art, and it's like it attacks you. You want to see it, see it. Or, or you go into somebody's apartment, they have nice wallpaper. Now it's nice, but you're not going to stare at it. Right. It's yeah. it's there to please you, so you could have a nice conversation and nothing disturbs you. So a lot of music, some, so so the two like kind of. I, I don't know. I get in trouble. I don't really care. But the two mu the two streams of music that I kind of find in the contemporary music world is, is the ones I call cat and piano, which basically to me is now passe. Like if you're writing like this, this has been right now. You're, you're literally it's, you might as well be writing in, with the Mozart harmonies. This is like 60 years old. This is seven, you know this has been done so long. So and a lot of people are doing that now and think they're avant garde. You're not. And then the other guys are like, oh well, you know, I'm going to just write beautiful music and. Oh, look how deep this is, and you know, oh, this one chord, and, and, and the wallpaper. So I call that wall. So wallpaper and cat and piano. So, I'm sorry. So our thing is uh, we compose concordance. I mean, the simple thing is we play m music written today that I and Dan like. That's like the simple <laughs> version of it. But what is that music? It's definitely not those two things that I just mentioned, mm -hmm. the cat and piano or wallpaper. So it's definitely a mixture, an eclectic mixture that somebody has that has his, her own voice. It is, and that's what I try to do. I try to, regardless if you like or dislike my music, the biggest compliment that I've gotten is that anytime I hear your music, not like or dislike it, but I know it's you. 
And that's, so it's a composer's voice. So I'm looking for people who have a voice, who have something to say, and who, uh, uh, who are open to the world of music. And not this, like, I must write like this, with atonal harmonies and using them, you know, this, or, or the people who are, like, basically writing movie music for the right. concert stage. Which right, is, I, I, uh, I told you I was sitting next to a young couple, and mm -hmm. the young lady was somehow connected to Orpheus Chamber. Okay. And, and I said, well, wh why'd you come mm -hmm. here? Because they were both classical I see, musicians. I see. And they said, well, we saw Beethoven in the title, and that's wow. what, what drew them in. All right, well, that's, well hey, and that's, and that's great, yeah. <laughs> because... Obviously, there wasn't any. Act, I mean, there was Beethoven, like our play on Beethoven, and maybe that's more interesting. Bum, 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 than, yeah. Well, I mean, but from, from the beginning, people who know maybe deep pieces that you don't know. That one's the popular one, but there was a bunch of Beethoven. Everything no, there I was know. something to do with Beethoven, and, and uh, for me personally, that's the concert. Like, if I go to another concert, another pianist playing an old Beethoven program. It might be a great pianist, but but it does bore me. I'm sorry, you know. It just I've seen that too many times. So somebody doing something different in it that excites me and. Our basic thing with Dan is we're producing concerts that we want to be at. It's right, as simple right, as that. Right, right. <laughs> Let's go back. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to uh -huh. something which I'm, okay. I'm hearing, but I just wanted to yes. see if I can explore it a little further. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to imagine you as a, as a, a child who says, I want to be crazy and becomes right. this Gene Pritzker who's turning 50 soon or no, I'm or younger. I'm already. No, no, we're. I'm, we're I'm going backwards. Yeah, we're going backwards. Right? <laughs> we're just what, helping you out. Just what was it uh, in your early childhood <laughs> that led you to, do you think maybe, and got you going in this direction? Well, uh, I mean, I think my uh, um, upbringing was eclectic. My father was a jazz musician. My mother was a classical musician. Grew up in Russia. My mother would take me to the ballet. My father would take me to his restaurant where he played like Russian pop music, where they were playing back then. And when I came to New York. You know, the big melting pot, like I've just, you know, I became a heavy metal guy pretty, very quickly. I grew up like a metalhead, right? So that was interesting to me. But I knew the, I discovered Stravinsky. I knew classical music, but not like wow. contemporary. Okay. And when I discovered Stravinsky, that will open. And then Frank Zappa, of course, is a big influence because he's, he was, he's been doing what I'm kind of doing since the 60s, right? So or, are you just pulling in everything you like? Well, well uh, it, it's not about that I'm pulling in everything. It, it's about that I am, uh, it's, it's an outlook on music. That there, it's all all music. It's not about oh, I, I write classical music or I write jazz music. For me, it's all music. Sometimes I'll sit at home and I'll listen to I don't know music from Afghanistan, like random, whatever. Doesn't mean that I'm trying to write like that. Doesn't mean I'm trying to write jazz. Doesn't mean I'm trying to write. The I'm just I'm writing my own music. But my influence is uh, is the world of music. There's no you know, and I hear sometimes things that what might you know throw a light bulb on influence me in some way. And again, I would say that if I could talk about music about a piece of music that I'm writing, then there's no need to write it. Yeah. So in music, it's not about like, you know, if you'd say, isn't, there's an essence, right? And you can't say it in words. If you could, no need to write it. Yeah. So you write the piece of music. So for me, it's that essence, and it could be inspired by a variety of things that I live. And we're living in New York, so if you're walking down the street, you're hearing a lot of things, right? So all you have to do is hear it and bring it in. That Not everybody does. I mean, you're hearing it, and as a musician, some people are like, oh, whatever, that's merengue. Who cares? You know, I, I write classical music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's an outlook. So it's about an outlook on how to look at the world of sound. And in you general. see connections. Between I see connections with every. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. Yeah. It's all connected. It. it yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so this idea of of connection. Yeah. We're in a moment in which the world is potentially totally connected. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, want yeah. to hear music from here? Absolutely. You want to hear sounds from China. You want to hear sounds from 
Whatever. Click, it's click all, away. It's all just click yep. away. It's exactly. all it's all right there available for you. And as you said, walking around New York City, well, the whole world is right. putting out their accents. Absolutely. Constantly. And I'm, I assume you go around without a headset on. Yeah, yeah. No, I love to. I just love to walk and listen to right. the sound and of the city. And here, here was the idea: is that talking about music is not music. No, it's not. No, but and so that we're a podcast, so we got to talk about it. No, which is fine. I mean, we philosophize about music all the time. I mean, it's it is a philosophy. Right. But like, uh, when I say that you can't talk about music, I'm talking about like an actual like sometimes you'll tell me about your piece I'm like okay well I could tell you some things about it yeah. but, but really that's not the piece that's not the piece to hear it if, if I could really tell you and you get the idea of the piece from it beginning could, to the end the piece would come out of your mouth yeah, there's not, <laughs> no piece to, yeah exactly well, why am I writing it down here it is here's my idea here's mm-hmm. this and, you know when I, I use the word essence and, and people like what is this essence and, and uh, I have a good way to kind of go further with that and it's in the world of writing right so in the writing you have a great writer and he has an essence for this piece, but uh, with writing, it's, he knows the story. He knows this is going to happen, she's going to meet him, they're going to fall in love, he's going to die, whatever. He knows the plot, and then as a great writer, but, that, but that's like the least of it. That's kind of, then he uses his craft, his or her craft, to shape the story with all the beautiful words and all the, like, you know, you read Dickens, and there is a plot, there's a great plot, but in between it, there's like all this, he's saying in words such things that are, you know, make you just understand this so much better. So that's the craft of it, which I have, you know, I have the craft of it, and I write music, but then, but before you start, before you get that essence, and in writing, the essence is maybe the story of, like, what you want to say, it's kind of, you could put it, you have to put it into words, but music, you have to put it into sounds, right? But I know that, I know it. From beginning to end, except I don't know any notes or rhythms or anything. That that I that's my that's the craft. Yeah. But once you find the essence, like the pieces, is so, done. It's I mean, done. you could talk about film the same way, and that there is a story. But to me, the most interesting piece is is if they if that film has some kind of artistic quality to it. Right. There is yep. an essence to it that is below or above and right. And the craft used to create and the, the craft used to create yeah. that that yeah, essence is, yes, is, is is the art of it. Something we may we may be able to talk about uh-huh. kind of intellectualized is this idea that um, you know, composers' concordance, composers concordance yeah. may be a reflection of our time, uh, this mixture of stuff. Now, I've noticed when I was at the mm-hmm. jazz, I'd met a lot of Russians. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, you're, 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 I, I, actually, none of my... You were all speaking Russian. I was speaking Russian, but not, I didn't know any of them. It was just a random... Uh, I, I, well, I, I met him first there. time too. Well, did they, right. do they follow you? Is that? I, I mean? I'm not sure. So there was a couple of Russians. I don't know where they came from. Well, one was a friend of Day Soldiers. I know this lady. She's, right. She runs an art museum. Yeah, Julia. Julia. Uh, uh, but from I just Rutgers. met. I just right. met her that uh, first time. Right, right, right. And there's a couple of others, but I don't know. I think maybe friends of friends, or I don't know. All right, let me ask this. Yeah. I mean, I, I just made Russia and Russia. Russia. You know, what's going on <laughs> with Russia right now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, is there any political aspect to? One of the critics did mention that there is that composers' concordance yeah. has a political slant to it. I, I, I mean, absolutely. So, uh, you know, 2016 election night, I presented my violin concerto Trump, a theatrical concerto at the NPR, <laughs> and it was we were all happy. It was a great concert, and the night turned pretty dark by the end. But the, the yeah. concert was great, and I had the violinist play the devil. Uh, play, yeah, the violinist played the devil. There was a character of Trump. There was Melania and all these people. So. Very political, very, uh, and, and I do a lot of political things like this, you know. That was just one big example in the recent. And your politics times. is liberal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very liberal, I and mean, of course, yeah. yeah right, <laughs> of, of course. How of, can you not? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, we're in New York, so I guess I could say it, but I'm going to Florida tonight, so. Mm. Good luck. I'll have to keep my mouth shut, Santa's which I can't. Yeah, you probably won't. Let's talk about Ludwig's Night Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, we were going to play a little music from it. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to share some music here. Perfect. Um, 
who's Beethoven to you? And who are you to Beethoven? No, good question. Uh, so, I've, you know, I've had a love affair with Beethoven, uh, you know, every, every composer does. It's just something you study, and it's great, just great writing, great melodic writing, harmonic, everything great about him. Um, and uh, I've been asked to, over the years, to do stuff with Beethoven, so I did. But this particular piece came about, I did an album, and, and actually I was saying that I had a big concert on New Year's Day 2020, and this was, uh, uh, this, uh, it was called Eroicanization. It's an ensemble in Nuremberg called Ensemble Contrast, and they commissioned me this piece uh, on Beethoven's 250th anniversary, was it? Whatever, something, some kind of anniversary, I can't, <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong thing, maybe it's And... Um, I took the Eroica Symphony and did a DJ, made a DJ concerto for myself and chamber orchestra, and we premiered it. So two of the tracks I gave you are uh, from there. But we also recorded it, and then I mixed it, and then we just needed one more track for the album, we thought. So I, I wrote this, I had this idea, and again, this had the essence to it, but actually this has kind of the essence, I could explain, because that's a story, because the, the piece, if you listen to the recording, uh, Beethoven goes from club to club with this sonata going on his head, and in the recording I put like club sounds, like he's in a rock club, and a blues club, disco club, and you could hear like different ambiances of like what, how people applaud in various clubs, and there's a reggae club, and it's got like a vibe to it. So, so the sounds change, the drum sounds change, to the, and the guitar sounds, so the recording is more interesting than the live performance because I, I was me messing with the audio, but you could really kind of feel Beethoven all of a sudden in a club listening to this, you know. This and I got to feel you, you, you enjoy that editing process. Yeah, yeah, I love that, that's fun. And because, you know, it's a recording, and you now you could control people's, Ears, what they're listening to, every aspect of it. Right. You know. Okay, let's. So we recorded that remotely, that whole thing. I wrote that well, after I came back to Nuremberg during the pandemic. So they recorded in Nuremberg, recorded my back here, mixed it, and so that was yeah. Uh, and you know, and so this whole album is Beethoven, <laughs> and it ends with uh, which I might have sent it to you too, uh, for uh, for release, but the Charleston version. Okay. So the album. <laughs> All right, before we go too far away, yeah. let's sorry, uh, sorry. let's uh, hear a little bit from Ludwig's Night Out. Uh, we'll hear about a minute, minute and a half, right. and then we'll be right back with Gene Pritzker. We're here at uh, Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar on a beautiful early afternoon in Manhattan. State's concert at Birdland. Mm. Um, don't get angry with me. No. I'm going to be slight, little bit. I love your music. I love it. I no. love it. I love it. I love criticism. I love it. Right. Uh, had an exciting feel of a mini part machine. Uh -huh. 
Uh, some of the machines were doing different things at different times. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes uh, they matched up. Sometimes they didn't. <laughs> it was a very complex train of sound. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I tried to stick with it, but times I, you know, it was kept pushing forward, pushing that. There's that pushing forward energy yeah. mm -hmm, that you get in a Prisker thing. It's like, <laughs> and you see her, you see you pushing it forward. But there was always the potential of the train jumping. Oh the track, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, because there's so much. There is so much energy there, mm -hmm. with the different people playing, yeah, and they're yeah. all doing their thing, and they're all great at what they're doing. What is your role on on Thursday night at Birdland? Well, I mean, besides being, uh, you know, it's my band, and it's my the whole concept was my idea. Uh, the band Sound Liberation I started a long time ago with my friend Dave Gotai, who passed away from cancer. And we started in Manhattan School of Music in 1990, when we were both uh, freshmen there. And the idea was we both love hip-hop, but we love all those other types of music. So let's mix classical music, jazz, hip-hop, rock, let's mix it all together. You know, like, same thing I do with everything else, but this is the band that I've been doing it for, I guess, what, 30 years now. Right? And we've toured and we recorded many albums, we've done lots of great things, and everything's always different. So I'm the leader, I'm the guy telling people what to do, and the whole concert, this particular concert especially, was I planned it, made sure everybody wrote what they wrote, made sense with the Beethoven scene, programmed it, what goes one after the other, and, um, and we rehearsed, but we only rehearsed once because of scheduling and money and all that stuff, so that program definitely needs like three rehearsals, I just didn't have it. So there was some moments where I'm like, oh man, you know. And There's one point it, we had to start over. We had to start over, somebody didn't come in. It happens, and that's cool. I mean, it's not, I mean, I wish I was a better rehearsal, whatever, but it just, it was I'll what it was, truth. and you I you're, love rehearsals. I almost rather yeah. listen to a rehearsal <laughs> than, than to go to the final performance. I did it today. I, 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 I don't. You don't. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know, I'm just too busy. I mean, I rehearse. And well, you're an artist. You, I, want, you want it to be perfect. I, no, no, I, no, it's not that. It's not about per perfect, absolutely not. No, I just, I'm saying I don't like rehearsals so much because I'm just too busy and I basically hire really, really, really good players. So most players, you really, the concert you heard, the reason it worked at all, even with rehearsals, because everybody there was really, really good. I mean, that concert is almost unperformable by people who are not, especially people who don't know how to read music so well. Yeah, you know, like that drummer and bass player, they, that was all written. They read that whole thing down, and, and that's your, it's not so common. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk well, a, a little bit before mm -hmm. we hear a, mm -hmm. another piece uh, from the concert um, from, about your musicians. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Valery... Uh, Valery, Valery Panamadov, yeah. Okay. So Valery's an older gentleman who was, uh, I, I guess he's probably considered one of the most successful Russian jazz musicians because he was actually in Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And I can't really think of so many Russian musicians from the Soviet times who were playing Russia, who, uh, who were playing jazz, who immigrated from Russia to America and got like serious gigs up. Most like my father is one of them, but he came here now, he's, you know, he's a piano tuner. And he played with like bands, he played, but he, you know, he never got as far as like Jazz Messengers. So he, so Valeri came here and got into like the prime you know, jazz messengers, like, you know, all these, you name a famous jazz musician, they play with the jazz messengers, you know. <laughs> I think Wayne Shorter, who just passed away, I think he was. Anyway, everybody played with So he was there, and he, you know, obviously Art Blakey liked him. <laughs> he hired him. And, uh, and uh, you know, and he made his career from that. So he's, got, he's le living legend in a way, you know. Not, a lot of these guys are dying there in their... But they played in the mid-century with this, you know, big guys. And, uh, yeah, so... But but he brings it, you know, he, he's a jazz guy, so he's, he's reading and all that stuff. It's not, 
his forte. So when he plays with me, it's 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 a little bit not what you know. It's, it's a little out of the box for him. I don't. You know, he's not as comfortable as just like playing jazz tunes and soloing, which is not what we do. Uh, but it was great because he brought his thing to it, and in the middle, you know, I didn't like have him on every tune. I just had to feature them yep. here and there, which yep. worked. And, and he was he was happy with the concert. He was like, "Gee, man, this is <laughs> we had a good time." Yeah, he had a good time. Yeah. Okay. And Jay Rodriguez Sierra. Jay Rodriguez, another great sax player who I play and composer who I played with a bunch in in uh, New York. He, his big uh, group group he had in the '90s, I guess, because the Groove Collective. Do you guys remember? They were kind of uh, Grammy nominated, whatever. Right, right. It's kind of acid jazz type stuff. So he yeah, was, you had a, a beautiful singer, Adriana, beautiful Adri singer. She was beautiful, yeah. and she was a great singer too. <laughs> Adriana Valdez. Yeah, yeah. Adriana was great, and uh, with her, we we've been recording a lot. I have a new album coming out with Sound Liberation. She sang a bunch of songs, and she's very good. And she she's a classical soprano who you know she has every Tuesday to have opera night, and you go and she'll sing the the standards, you know, the Mozart, the the Puccini's, whatever. But but she could read very well because she's a trained violinist as well. So which is hard because with sopranos sometimes they're like oh they know all the, and then you give them music. You know how do you make a soprano shut up? Give her music. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Let's let's listen oh. to another piece. Yeah, this one. Uh, eulogy. Eulogy. So so in concert, Adriana played it. But depending on if you want to play the recording, which features uh, Chandelure, who's uh, one of my favorite singers in the world. She's an R&B singer. But again, she's also somebody I met who was not a big like reader. She knew all the jazz standards and R&B stuff. And now she's been working with me for, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years. And she learns these complicated music of mine, and she sounds amazing. And me and her, she now lives in Vienna. So our next concert is in July in Nuremberg. <laughs> so I'm going to meet her there. We have, we do it. It's the second year we're doing this concert that uh, it's called A Deeper Purple Project. It's my arrangements of Deep Purple music featuring Great. her and R&B singers. Amazing. <laughs> well, tell us about Eulogy. What is what is so Eulogy? The song Eulogy, whichever version you play, is the is the second movement of the Eroica Symphony, and it's from that piece I talked about earlier called Eroicanization that we recorded with Ensemble Contrast, and it's really the melody is exactly if you listen if you go Google second movement of of the Ero second movement of the Eroica Symphony. You will hear this melody straight up, but everything around it uh, made into kind of a R&B, I don't know, eclectic R&B tune, so, you know, chamber R&B tune. So, Great. Yeah. All right. Let's hear uh, Eulogy with Chandelure if you play the recording. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. that's what we'll go for.
Okay. We have one more piece of music we wanted to we, mm-hmm. we wanted to play. Before I do that, there's something I've been meaning to ask you yeah, for yeah. many, many years. Oh gosh. Having gone to many of your concerts and no. all kinds of venues, you always bring poetry wow, yeah, yeah. into your concerts. True. I'm a fan of your work. Right. But I'm not a fan of the poetry that you bring oh, into really? it. No. <laughs> I'm not. It's okay. I'm it's no, okay. I'm, you don't have to I don't have to light everything. No. How does the spoken word, how does it fit into... Uh, are you not doing? a fan of the poetry I bring, or are you not a fan of poetry in general? I'm no, no, I love poetry. You we love poetry, okay. We, we <laughs> I a, just wanted to make sure that it was... We have a poetry uh, uh, program. I, I, saw, I saw that, yes, yes. I was uh, meaning it's on my to do no, We talk to, to poets all the time. Right. Well, introduce me. So, so I'm... Okay, introduce I lo- you to a poet? I, I love poets. <laughs> And, and uh, a couple of poets, I'm not going to mention their names now, now that you say you don't like them, I don't want to put them on the spot. Oh, it's uh, their poetry? Yeah, but it's not my poetry. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure it's the poetry or it's the mixture of oh, what really? you're doing with your music. Oh, I, don't, I, I don't know. Okay. You know, but, like the nice, I have a concert on Sunday and it's, it's with dance. Okay. So it's not just about poetry, it's about uh, multidisciplinary other arts. You know, with art, we had a concert this year where it was, uh, it was PPP, pianos, paintings, and poets. So we right. mix three three things like piano pieces, works based on works of art and poetry written on those two things. So, right. Yeah. So so I'm constantly trying to mix. You have to bring sculpture in now. I'd love to, but you know the problem, of course, with sculpture sometimes they're heavy and you can't to get them all in one place. There's logistic stuff which is always right, I'm producing these things. Yeah, but I like it. Right. Sculptures right. and and s- think of an S instrument. I can't think of. <laughs> Fate of and saxophones, sculptures and saxophones. There you go. Yeah. You made it. Okay. <laughs> All right. All it's right. gonna be dedicated I'll to you. I'll be the curator. <laughs> yeah. Fate of fury. Fate of fire, right? Fate of fire. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Five. I've got it wrong the third time. Okay. Fate of five. Yeah. So, so my friend David Gotai, who as I symphony number five. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he was sick with cancer, and uh, he was in my band, but like I think the last concert we did before he died, it was five, six, seven years ago now. Uh, he wrote this piece called Beethoven Five and Beethoven's Fifth, uh, and you know the chorus that he's rapping. I, I'll give you the original recording if you want, or you could which, whichever no, one no, you want to play. I, I, yeah, you the can one play the that live you, one. You want to play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the original chorus is like, "I'm alive, I'm alive against fate, I'm gonna fight," which is like, you know, he's like really talking about his life. He's gonna die. I mean, he knew he's gonna die. You know, it's, it's, and he was rapping this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that the rap I was doing, the chorus. So, uh, so you know. Anyway, but I just thought it'd be nice to play this piece. It is based on Beethoven's most famous. <laughs> can't, can't go any more famous than that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I always try to present the music here. It doesn't have so much music left after he died. But anytime I could present something of Dave's, I always try. So that's, that's what it was. You know? I thought it was terrific. I, I, the band really kind of warmed up to that point. Warmed I up, think. yeah. yeah. And they were, they were just throwing their own things in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and Adriano was. Yep, yep. Right. And, and Valerie started doing it too. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's written out, whatever. But we, yeah. we it did open up a little. Okay. We, we had a good time. It was fun. All right, we're gonna hear uh, our final piece for this podcast, "Fate of Five by David Gotai.
Adriano Valdez, Valeria Pomeroz, Jay Rodriguez, Yayoi Iyoi, Larry Goldman, John Barari, Eugene Pritzker. Thank you to all the composers. Thank you to the poets, Imelda, Eric, Dan Cooper. Who else is here? All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. Please go to composingcordons.com. You can see a lot of our shows. Thanks for coming out. Hang out with us, have a drink, and thanks, Ludwig. Peace. Okay, so we want to thank Gene Pritzker for joining us uh, today. Uh, before we complete this latest Barcore Radio program with Gene Pritzker, we want to share one more piece in which Gene looks to Beethoven for inspiration. It wasn't part of the Birdland uh, concert but it's really wonderful, and we wanted you to hear it. Eroica erupted the first movement of Eroica Annization, a 21st century statement on Beethoven's Eroica Symphony. And the following is from Gene's notes. Quote, For Eroica Erupted, Movement 1, I had an idea of taking the first E-flat chord and repeating it in various forms while writing new melodic material over it and DJing it. I googled the chord and to my happy surprise found a YouTube video that has a chronological survey of the various recordings of the chord, playing the opening from recordings dating back to 1924 up to 2011. I took this, put it into a tempo, and am able to live manipulate it while over it I wrote my own melodic material that interacts with these recordings. So let's take a few minutes to listen to Gene Prisker's Eroica Erupted. <laughs> 